On first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice podcast. On with me, special guest, friend of the show. He's been on multiple times, Mr. Kevin Bowen from the fan. Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, Cody. Always enjoy hopping on. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, Kevin. Well, the Colts have now had three days of full padded practice. Today they have off. Then they have Friday through, I believe, Monday, um, and maybe even longer, of more padded practices. Kevin, before we start, there's a couple things I want us to talk about. Um, The first thing is kind of your overall impression of the first three days of full padded practice. And then an updated uh, position battle, kind of your thoughts on the updated position battles three days into padded practice as well. So we'll start there with uh, your overall impressions of the first three days of training camp. What were some big things that stuck out to you? Oh, first I have to say I'm just so happy to be back covering NFL practices. You know, certainly that was something that we have missed sorely. I haven't been out there since late December. So, you know, to just get out there and, and – you know, really for about a couple hours every day, you're, you're kind of watched in normalcy. Um, it doesn't feel too weird to me once you kind of drive past, you know, all the testing tents that are set up at, at, the, at their facility and whatnot. So, um, you know, the, it, it, it's just been awesome to be out there and kind of be the eyes and ears to, to so many people. And, and it's why I love my job. Um, and it's been very competitive, very spirited. I don't see any you know, ramping up period. Frank Reich talked about that, you know, back a couple of weeks ago of like, hey, you know, they're going to have strength and conditioning for a week. They're going to be able to do, um, you know, a little bit of a kind of phase two spring period. And then once it's time to go and put those full pads on, like we've got to go. And and I I think they have done that. You know, we haven't seen live tackling yet. You know, maybe that's something that happens, uh, you know, maybe Monday at Lucas Oil when, when, when they get out there or, or something like that. But um, so far, it's been really very, very, um, very competitive, very, uh, you know, a, a nice pace to it. Um, there's not many kind of quiet moments. It's been interesting to have kind of – you can't even rest during the special teams period because of the kicker competition. So it's been awesome to be out there. Absolutely. And you mentioned it. They, they have very little padded practices before they kick off down in Jacksonville. I believe it's something like 11 padded practices total, which is totally insane compared to, you know, you have your entire training camp and then even the preseason. Um, how much of an impact do you think it'll be kind of on some of these newer guys only having 11 padded practices before, boom, you're an NFL player right out there uh, in week one? Yeah, and, you know, that goes back to my earlier point about I think you've got to do some live tackling. You know, I I, I just don't think you can expect to go out there and to be, you know, crisp, ready to go for a real football game. I mean, you know, for the most part, yeah, there are a handful of guys that that, that don't play in the preseason. But, you know, a good amount of your roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball, those guys play in, 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 you know, at least this couple series in the preseason. And that's when you're doing live stuff. And obviously you aren't going to get that this year. So. Um, it is very quick. It comes up on you, you know, fast and, and, and whatnot. 
Um, I, I, I'm just so interested to see, do they do the line tackling stuff? Because, you know, it's paramount for the Colts to get out of the gate fast. I think Frank Reich has hinted at that several times this offseason of, even though he hasn't been a coach, you know, for more than two of these openers, you know, Colts haven't won a season opener since um, 2013. So that's wow. why I, I, I just think that that stresses the point even more of getting out of the gate, getting off to a quick start. And that means utilizing these 11 full pad of practices as best as you can. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious your take on some of the new Indianapolis Colts this offseason that they acquired. Obviously, DeForest Buckner, the big name. Um, but then even a guy like Phillip Rivers, Xavier Rhodes, some of those other names. What have been your overall impressions of those guys? I know Xavier Rhodes missed, a, missed Tuesday's practice with an illness, but he's played two out of three. So what are your impressions on some of these free agent guys, kind of the bigger names the Colts brought in? Yeah, I'd say, you know, a couple things that stand out is just Buckner and, and Rhodes individually, their size compared to the rest of their group. I mean, they're two just physically imposing guys that, you know, you can see it on the stat sheet and, and, and the roster and whatnot. But then when you see it, you know, actually against their you know fellow defensive backs or fellow, fellow defensive linemen, that really, really stands out to me. Yeah. Um, you know, Rivers, I just think he, he, he brings an, a, an unbelievable command and presence. Um, I think you know, Colts players are going to gravitate towards him because he does have this, you know, fourth grader in the backyard type of passion for the game of football. And, you know, they can love Jacoby Brissett and all that. But at the end of the day, if you want to win, this is probably the guy that gives you a better chance than who you had under center last season. So, um, you know, Buckner, unfortunately, hasn't done any one-on-one drills. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of hard to truly, you know, evaluate defensive linemen until, you know, things ramp up a little bit more. It's, it, it's just not a great setting for those guys. So that's been a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, Rhodes didn't take a whole lot of team reps yesterday when he came back from the illness. You know, Rivers, you know, something I talked about on yesterday's podcast that I did, you know, just it, it's been him. It's been quick. It's been assertive. It's been get rid of the football, um, occasional shot down the field when he's not afraid to try and throw it into coverage. He's been picked off a couple times, but – you know, he's also had a really high per- completion percentage on, on other days. So, um, yeah, I mean, so far, kind of what I expected from these guys, you know, three days in. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get used to that awkward throwing motion that Phillip Rivers has. It just throws me off about every time I see him throwing <laughs> a pass. It's just so different than what we've seen. But um, another guy that, Kevin, I feel like you and I have been pretty vocal this offseason. We feel like he's got to have – this is do or die for him. He's got to have a good training camp. Seems like he has the first couple of days. Taekwon Lewis, um, just talk to me about, you know, he, he met with the media and kind of talked about, obviously, went back to Ohio State and really got himself in physical form, unlike he's had, um, and, and, and mentally got himself in a better spot. Talk to me about your opinion on what you've seen from Taekwon Lewis so far. Yeah, I mean, just such a critical offseason for him. And I, I've seen a quick burst. I've seen him mostly in the interior. Um doing a great job in one-on-ones, making a couple plays in 11-on-11. I go back to what I said about Buckner. It can be difficult, especially for interior defensive linemen, to truly catch your eye. But he has done that. So, uh, Frank Reich, you know, has gushed about him. So, it it goes without saying uh, what this season means to him. It's probably the deepest position group on the team. I think he makes the roster. I think his versatility is, is just too good to pass up. And I still want to tap into a little bit of the potential we saw back in his rookie season. So, yeah, I mean, he has been one of the standouts here early on. That's great to hear. I mean, it really is because 
you think about those two players, Kevin, that Chris Ballard even named by name um, after the season, one was Quincy Wilson. Well, obviously you traded him for basically nothing, basically for Isaiah Rogers. And then the other one was Tyquan Lewis. And my question was, oh my goodness, is something similar going to happen with Lewis or is he just going to be a cut? Now, obviously it's still early. We don't really know, but it certainly seems like Lewis is on track to not go down that same path as Quincy Wilson did. Um, seems like he's able to kind of put some of those those first two years, kind of forgettable years, put them behind him and really hopefully move forward and be in a better spot. Um, but before we move on to kind of looking at some of these training camp battles, talk to me about the relationship between Lewis and the new defensive line coach, Brian Baker, and what you've seen from Brian Baker so far. I had George Bremer on, and he said he's just such a, such a fiery, old-school type of guy. I'm curious your take on Baker. Yeah, I think George George described him really, really well. I mean, he's a fiery, fiery guy. Uh, watching him on one-on-one drills, you know, compared to Chris Strausser, the offensive line coach, there's a lot more animation from from Baker than there is Strausser. Um, and I, I think that room needs a little bit of a jolt. You know, I know Mike Fair took the job with with Matt Rule in Carolina, the old defensive line coach. Um, but still, I, I think that's a group that's underperformed. It's a group that it has a ton of draft capital invested into it, or even just big free agent contracts invested into it. Probably, out, and I'm just saying this off the top of my head, outside of the offensive line, no group has more invested into them from a financial resource standpoint than, than the defensive line. And we know how much that means to Chris Ballard. So I, I think it's critical that you're able to uh, tap into that. Brian Baker has history with Frank Reich as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that – that bunch underperformed last year and has probably more so than not, you know, in the Chris Ballard era. And I think it's paramount considering everything you've put into it that you, uh, you know, see what you have in there and try to get a little bit more out of that, out of that uh, entire position group. Well, let's talk about some of these position battles early on into training camp. We'll start with the running backs. That's the first one that you named in your article when you looked at them, Jonathan Taylor versus Marlon Mack. What have you seen so far from both these guys? Yeah, you know, Marlon Mack's still the starter. Um, I don't think anyone's shocked by that. You know, he's certainly gotten more first-team reps than Jonathan Taylor, and that doesn't surprise me either. And this is something I said on my podcast, and I guess I'll just throw it out there for, for you as well. This is my eyes and ears three days into training camp. So, you know, take that with, with, for, for what it's worth. Um, you know, Taylor had the incredible day on Tuesday where just explosive runs, several of them, not all with the starting unit, but, you know, I think at least one, if not two, with that starting bunch. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the home run ability that, that the Colts talked about when they drafted him and why they drafted him. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good start for Taylor. Um, I've noticed maybe one drop, but he's caught a few more balls than I thought he would. And same with Mac, which I think is a byproduct of, you know, having Phillip Rivers at, at quarterback as well. So, um, you know, similar to to the defensive line room, like an exact gauge in training camp, it's easier for, I think, wideouts and corners and quarterbacks mm. and safeties to be evaluated during this time. But still, you're able to get a little bit of look at the um, at the running backs. And you know, I think it's one of the better better rooms in the um, in the entire NFL. And I think uh, I think r- r- right now it's kind of gone how I thought it would go through the first three days in terms of uh, reps for Taylor versus Mack. Yeah, I saw that video and everybody probably saw it that the Colts posted of Jonathan Taylor literally 
it's like it cuts away and then you see you see Tavon Wilson tumbling to the ground. I mean, that's just kind of what Jonathan Taylor brings to this offense. And I saw different tweets about defenders just bouncing off of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this guy, to put it in Chuck Pagano terms, he's a bu- he's a rolling bunch of butcher knives. I think that's how he said it. I mean, he really <laughs> is. is. Like, he's yeah. the type of guy. That's a Chuck. That's a Paganoism, if I ever heard one. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the yeah, running back I mean, position. It, 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 yeah, go for it. I was just, I was just going to comment, you know, you really don't see a whole lot of that in training camp, but there was two defenders on that play. They just bounced off Taylor. And, you know, again, it's one thing to be 230, but then when you have the four, three speed to go with it, you know, that's the combination that the Colts feel like he was worth, you know, trading up for into the second round. Oh, for sure. And we've already seen it, seen it early. That's awesome. All right, the other position battle that I want to look at, Anthony Walker versus Bobby Okariki. This was a position battle that was started even last year in Okariki's rookie year. Uh, the position battle for the Mike linebacker position. How's that gone so far in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I still think it's Anthony Walker's job. You know, Bobby has played a little bit in the base defense, which I think we all expected. But even when they're in nickel, and seemingly that would be better suited for Bobby to get on the field, it's been, you know, Anthony Walker alongside Darius Leonard. And, and, you know, I'm not totally surprised. You know, part of me is kind of like, well, I mean, the Colts continue to say, you know, they're so high on, on you know, Bobby and all this stuff. Don't you want to get him, you know, a few more reps? And maybe that'll come, you know, in the, in the next you know, few practices. But the reliability of Anthony Walker, I just think, should not be taken for, for granted, not only from fans, but certainly from this coaching staff as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, early on, it's, um, it, it's definitely still, uh, still Walker's job. For sure. Uh, another position group, this is one that is probably the most intriguing to me. The other starting defensive end position alongside Justin Houston. Now we saw Danico Autry play some more defensive end to start these padded sessions. Um, how do you think that's playing out right now? Just with all the guys kind of in that competition for that other spot. Yeah, I should mention there's been a couple injuries there that have kind of impacted reps. So basically so far, Justin Houston's only practiced one day. Yep. Uh, Kamoko Turi still hasn't practiced. Um, so that needs to be mentioned as well. So basically I look at it as al Muhammad or Danico Autry for the spot opposite Justin Houston um, in, in, in Jacksonville, honestly. Um, yeah. Ben Banigou, uh, very little impressions from him early on. So he hasn't, I mean, he certainly has gotten nowhere near the starting reps that Autry and, uh, and Muhammad have, have gotten. So I, I, you know, I kind of said it all along. I think it'll be a Autry slash Muhammad on the early downs, Ture on third down. I think that's how you replace Jabal Shear. You can get pretty creative, honestly, mm-hmm. on third down and maybe change it up a little bit more than, than, than just that. But that's how I think things will go for the um, – for the opposite spot of Justin Houston. Yeah. And then you mentioned the corners, Rocky Sin and Xavier Rhodes. Now, I presume they'll probably both be starters, you would think, um, in week one. But how has that position battle kind of played out? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, again, Xavier a little bit banged up, um, you know, with the illness, I guess I should say. Didn't take a whole lot of team reps yesterday. I, I think it'll be Rocky Sin when you are in base, which, like you said, you know, it is limited. Yeah. Um, Kenny Moore, obviously, at the spring growing. So there's been a lot of corners in and out. Lafayette Pitts, TJ Carey, uh, Travis Reed. I, I know my undrafted free agents better than I do. Um, I think that's his name. 
Uh, he, he's kind of a big corner. He's made a couple nice plays. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think in the base, it'll be Rocky Asin and Kenny Moore. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Xavier Rhodes reacts to that. I mean, he started 94 straight games in his in his career and obviously a former first-round pick. So, um, you know, how does he handle that? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit plugged in on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, so far I haven't noticed, you know, a whole lot good, bad, and different from Rock or Xavier. Rock's made a couple nice plays in, in one-on-ones, but um, I think he'll be in the starting lineup for that base. Mm-hmm. The most intriguing position battle for me on the offense, the wide receiver group, I mean, really, you know who your top four are going to be, and maybe you could argue top five if you throw on Marcus Johnson with that. Um, but how is that kind of shaking out here? Um, you know, we know T.Y. Hilton's the, obviously the number one, but two through four, I feel like you could argue it could be any of those three guys vying for that position. Um, how has that played out for you in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, as far as the two, three, four, it's so hard because, you know, there's – it's not like you know, they come out in one or two wide receiver sets very often. You know, it's a lot of three, sometimes four. And, you know, T.Y.'s been in and out. So then it's like, oh, well, there's Pittman, Campbell, and Pascal all, all on the field at the same time. So I think, you know, given what, what Frank Reich likes to do, um, I think it'll be pretty interchangeable, to be honest with you, all three of those guys. They all bring something that you want to tap into. Um, you know, when you get a little deeper into the depth chart, you know, honestly, Reese Fountain and I'd probably say Chad Williams, a guy that we don't talk about a whole lot, they've gotten a little bit of action. Marcus Johnson has been banged up, so that's been a little bit tough to kind of sift through the, the, the back end of the wideout depth chart. Um, so, yeah, it's still a little early, but I, I, if you look at, like, snap counts from prior years, I mean, it's going to be Pittman, Campbell, and Pascal probably all kind of in and out you know I, I think there'll be kind of a balance to how those three uh see playing time yeah and then the final position battle I want to talk about it's been one of the most well-known position battles the kicking battle um obviously Chase McLaughlin the incumbent starter from last year came in late in the year played pretty well all things considered he's in battle with undrafted free agent Rodrigo Blankenship how has that position battle gone so far because I know I've seen some things where you know, Frank Reich has kind of had, you know, at the end of practice or whenever during practice, he's had, you know, numbers 50, 50 on up go with Chase and numbers below that go with Rod and they've kind of switched it up. How has that gone so far as far as the kicking battle goes? Yeah, so we've only seen them kick one day in full pads. Okay. Um, and on that day, it was Chase McLaughlin, um, perfect, seven for seven. And then Blankenship was six of seven. So a pretty good day is one missed was um, off the upright. So, um, yeah, I mean, so far, so good. Again, it's only been one day, um, but both of them kicked the ball really, really well on on Tuesday. So, you know, I expect that to continue. I've said that before. Chase McLaughlin, I think, should have a leg up considering he kicked Mm -hmm. in the NFL last year. He kicked pretty well, all things considered. I mean, replacing Aspen there is no easy feat. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that I think it really hurts, um, blank and chip that there's no game reps. You know, that's, that's a big, I know he kicked in the SEC, but I think that really, really hurts him. So, um, yeah, so far pretty good days from both of them. And uh, that'll obviously continue over the next couple of weeks. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I know Derek has been pretty vocal. Like you think of some of those very notorious college kickers and I know it's kind of unfair to compare Rodrigo to some of those guys, but you think of some of those guys, uh, 
you know, I think the guy that the, the Bucks drafted Aguayo a few years ago. Right, right. And, and there's just been some notorious ones that just haven't panned out. And so for me, I'm kind of in that same idea, Kevin, of like, you got Chase McLaughlin, you re-signed him a year. Okay, you know what he can bring to you. He was perfect on extra points. He missed one field goal, and that was a 50-plus yarder. Uh, he was very consistent, especially after coming in a historically bad kicking game last year. Uh, I just – I love what Chase brought. I mean, he's not the most flashy guy in the world, but he's consistent. And, you know, he doesn't have a small leg either. Like, he can kick 50-plus yarders. So, that's just kind of my take on it. And also, you mentioned the lack of preseason games, I think, is really the deciding factor for me. I feel like if they had four preseason games, um, I might just be more open to whoever kicks the best I'm going to roll with. But I think for right now, I think Chase definitely has a leg up. I agree with you there. Um. Alrighty, well, that'll do it for this one. Kevin, what are some things that you're looking for as the Colts resume practice tomorrow and then throughout the next throughout the weekend and the next week? What are some of the biggest things you're looking for from this team? Well, I just think the more full pad of work you get, you know, who, who stands out, who shines. I mean, after this next four-day segment, that's going to be halfway through the full pad of practices. And yeah. so you're going to have a pretty good idea what it looks like. I mean, you're – you're cutting this roster down to 53 two weeks from Saturday. Like, you know, things wow. are coming up. So um, I would say that on the whole, individually, um, you know, certainly I want to see the defensive line group get healthier and just see how that bunch plays out. You know, Sheldon Day getting hurt, uh, that hasn't been good. You know, he's a guy that I thought would really um, factor into, you know, being a consistent rotational player for you. Offensively, certainly you want to see other running back you know, depth chart plays out and the wideout group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, corner, with Kenny Moore out for a week, who kind of steps up into that slot role. So I, I think those will be some of the things I'll be watching. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to you, Kevin, from your updates and, and all that good stuff. All righty. Will you take care, my friend? Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. All right. See ya. <laughs>